Welcome to the Movie Musical Marathon with your hosts, David. And Andrew. And we've just finished watching Bugsy Malone, a 1976 original musical. It's fantastic. What did you think? Uh, Wait, uh, should we explain it to them before we talk about it? Uh, Okay, so it's uh, Kig's... Kids pretending to be 1920s, 30s, yep. 1930s gangsters <laughs> in Chicago, and instead of um, shooting real bullets, they shoot cream. cream like custard pies and things like that. Amazing story, reminiscent of Guys and Dolls, mm. which was fun to see that again. Um, an original musical, which do you think it has been on stage? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, of course it's been on stage. No, being as, as Broadway. I don't know, we'll have to check that out. Um, because we've seen it as a school production, mm. and it's probably been put on by amateur companies, but I'm not sure because all of the cast are kids, and it's almost impossible to do this show if your cast isn't all kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, high schoolers could get away with it, but no one older, really. Uh, okay. One of the aspects of this movie is that they had the um, musician, songwriter, his name was... Paul Williams. They had him and uh, a female singer, adult female singer for the female songs, uh, singing. And the characters were all uh, lip syncing to his recordings. Yeah, yeah. I think they might have had other singers as well. But Paul Williams wrote all the music, and his music is great. Yeah. It just um, his biggest hit was Evergreen, which was the theme song from A Star Is Born. And so, what that did for the movie, it created uh, an even greater disconnect than we already had. We already had this disconnect because these kids are obviously not gangsters. Cream is obviously not bullets. And so, I think that the style of music added to the separation which was helpful because otherwise it could feel like it would be too real you know and you could feel like these kids were actually gangsters and that was not good that wouldn't have been good and so this extra level of separation helped the movie experience which we've talked about before we've talked about how um sometimes musicals can take you out of the story through their music. This did it intentionally, which is brilliant. Every Almost everything in this movie, I think, was... It, well, this movie was very intentional, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was, it was brilliant because it, it had kids doing this um, <laughs> stereotypical gangster sort of stuff, um, and they did it really well. The production team did really well. Every item of clothing is matches the kids' physique. Uh, hats, right down to hats that fit. Everything. Uh, and we've got uh, lots of, obviously lots of suits and waistcoats and <laughs> hats and ties and so on. Um, but we've got dancers and we've got lots of female characters in there which um, have their own costumes and everything. We've got these cool little pedal cars made to look like big cars of the era. And of course we've got um, certainly two big sets. One's a street a set and the other is the, the speakeasy set. It's just really well made, and, and everything. It just adds to that believability that here we've got kids talking big like they're <laughs> gangsters. It works. Mm. It's they're still very cute. Mm. The, the, the cuteness just goes right through the whole yeah. film. But one of the big strengths of Bugsy Malone is uh, the script. Mm. It is just chock full of a whole lot of jokes. It's got these all these classic, classic lines that you would expect from a B movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, 
<laughs> yeah, it's just brilliant. I just love it. A B-movie from the 1930s. Yeah, some sort of standard takeoff of a gangster movie. The classic New York, Italian, Irish accents. It's just wonderful acting from these uh, children as well. Exceptional. Um, well cast, well directed. Well written, as you said. And Alan Parker is the writer-director who... This is one of his first films. This is like his second movie. Or his first one that he actually wrote and directed both. He both did both. And he went on to direct fame. Another movie we've seen, Evita. And I could tell that the style was similar to that. It was gritty, it was real. But what helped raise this to, to the standard of, of musical, even though it was gritty, was that they were children and that the script and the story was so over the top. And he also was able to get away with this gritty real style and fame because that was intentionally real. That was the whole time. You just noticed something on the Wikipedia page that made your draw drop. Yeah, yeah. It's um, And it was the, the sticky point that uh, if, if there is a flaw, it's, it's this, and it's that they get adults to sing the songs... Uh, and the kids lip sync, mime them. Well, I mean, I just commented on that how that was a good thing for the overall tone, but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Wikipedia is saying that uh, Paul Williams wrote, "I'm really proud of the work, and the only thing I've ever doubted is the choice of using adult voices. Perhaps I should have given the kids a chance." The a director commented, "Watching them to film after all these years, this is the one aspect I find the most bizarre: adult voices coming out of these kids' mouths." I told Paul that I didn't want squeaky kids' voices. And he interpreted this in his own way. Anyway, the tapes arrived. Scarcely weeks away from filming, we had no choice to go, but to go along with it. Wow. So there you go. <laughs> I hope they make a remake of this and use kids' voices. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, at this, it is the most jarring thing about this movie. Yeah. And it's interesting that it wasn't an intentional decision. Before we get on to any remakes or anything in the future, um, what do you think is the difference between this and a musical on stage like Guys and Dolls, or Annie, or, and the difference between this and, or the similarities, rather, between this and a movie like Annie or Guys and Dolls. Okay, so uh, Annie, while a comedy, is semi-serious. You know, you, you've got this, this orphan who is charming her way into getting adopted, basically. Mm. And so it's, it's a serious-ish story, you know. And with Guys and Dolls, it's a fun story, but there's still a serious side to it, and the serious side is the relationships. There's, there's two romances there, and that sort of drives the story. Mm. Bugsy Malone, the whole thing's just mm. farce. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally a farce. It's, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's, yes, it's a satire, but it, it doesn't insult the genre. Okay. If anything, it, it celebrates the genre. Mm. And they, they do that by what you were saying before, by making it as realistic as possible while still being kids mm. and having whipped cream. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, there were also aspects of the music uh, in particular and of the uh, scenes and the way they're written as well that, that highlight the farcical aspects of it, whether it's the police, you know, trying to get a mould <laughs> of this tyre and they end up making a mould, like setting the police captain, captain in plaster, you know, uh, that type of ridiculous stuff happening all the time um, not to mention the song and dance 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't spoil all of it, but that's a really good one. So there's there's loads of um, chock full of of classic gags like that. And again, it sort of goes with the genre, all these sort of like dad jokes and these gags. Oh, yeah, kind of. So you were talking about how this movie was not as serious as Annie. It's not as serious as, as Guys and Dolls. And you've, there's almost no plot. I mean, there's basically one story and one romance, and, and that's pretty much it. It's surprising how deep the story is, though. Like, it's there's a lot of things that happen, and it's a little bit like the Avengers, I think, the first Avengers movie. I remember watching that and thinking, oh, like, nothing happened. It's, like, a very, very, very straightforward. But when I asked someone about it, and I said, it's such a simple plot, and they replied and said, no, no, you, you've got... Uh, Iron Man versus Captain America. You've got um, Thor, uh, you know, the the scene at the... Thor big, versus Hulk. Yeah. Thor versus Hulk, you know. And so he explained the plot as a bunch of different fights. And and so what was interesting with this is that it's similar in that it's a bunch of different uh, mob encounters. Okay, so what, what drives this is not the plot, but character. This... Um, what do you mean drives? Yeah, so this this fun little um, kids farce is driven by character. I hold this. For you. What do you mean drives? <laughs> <laughs> because you've got you've got this rivalry between two gang bosses, right? And so you, you're seeing their lifestyle, and uh, you've got one stereotypical Italian living a certain way. You've got one stereotypical posh living a certain way. You've got their rival mobs and how they're actually more similar than they are different. You've got uh, the dancers and the speakeasy. You've got a whole song just for the for the sweeper, just for the cleaner. I mean, <laughs> and so what happens is that you are seeing how will these people stay true to the character and still get what they want. And so we want to go to Hollywood, or we want the girl, or we want control of the city, or we just want to get an audition, let alone to get the role. And so all we've got are these these characters are driving what happens. So in terms of the plot, it's very simple, but it's these characterizations that make it fun. How do the songs contribute or not to the plot? I, I think most of the songs are really good because uh, they set the scene, they set, again, they uh, describe the characters. Uh, for like the first big one is telling the, about the speakeasy, Fat Sam speakeasy, so it's a uh, setting scene. Uh, we've got a song about um, the cleaner. We've got a song about Tallulah. Uh, we've got uh, the theme song, Bugsy Malone, uh, we hear it twice. So the songs themselves don't drive the plot. They it, fill out the characters. Mm. But what is really fun is all the incidental music. There's, there's tons of incidental music all the way through, and it's really fun. I particularly liked um, when they're playing Mozart badly, deliberately. Oh, right, yeah, because all of the characters, including the background musicians in the scene, were uh, children, maybe teenagers, uh, a lot of them, but especially the musicians. But they were um, really, really good, and you could tell that they were really talented, but they still sounded like they weren't professionals. So they, they sounded like they were children, and you're saying that they did that intentionally. What about the dance? Uh, well, what do, you, what do you think about no, the dance? you first. <laughs> okay, it's it's fine. What do, what do you what do you say? I think it was it was normal, uh, like musical theatre style dancing that you would find in any any showgirl routine stuff. And except their kids, except their kids, right? It, which was a little off putting, mm-hmm. you know, because you've got these these um, children in these skimpy costumes, skimpy costumes and uh, that didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. But it's not revealing at all. So mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. it's tasteful um, in that regard. 
Uh, and there wasn't much dance outside of the speakeasy. There was one where the gangsters were singing oh, yeah. their song, Good at Being Bad, and that was fun. Um, again, like character piece. And, and it's, yes. it's great that they used music uh, for those um, types of songs, for those that type of character development. And they did that intentionally the whole time. Um, apart from the song when Bugsy's convincing the guys, um, the bums, to ch come join him in his army, yeah. uh, which was cool, uh, and I really liked how they how that was a song, mm. because if it was serious, then it would feel too. If it wasn't a song, it would feel too serious. Yes, and, and that was it was really clever way of lightening up the story and making sure it remained a farce the whole time. That was, the most, uh, that was the song that drove the plot the most. Yes. There was one other song which I was really glad they had dancing in, and that was the Sweepers song, the Cleaners song. Um, how one of the dancers from the show was walking out and uh, was listening to this guy sing and, and then uh, danced to his song um, before they walked out together. And that was um, beautiful to see the expression not only through the song because it's a slow song it's it's there's not a lot for him to do uh and so it makes a lot of sense to have just a solo dancer doing something to it uh it's not a type of song that you could have a montage to because he's not really a main character and so you wanted to keep it on the side there in one place rather than telling how his day goes and, and through montage as you possibly could with with that style of song if it was a main character the songs were great i really enjoyed the musical style it was very 70s at points it reminded me of guardians of the galaxy because it was 70s music you know okay. um and so i don't know if there's something about 70s music that makes it able to be used for comedy in that way yeah and it also was slightly reminiscent of the 1930s uh not in a huge way but in, in a little way uh, what do you think? About the musical style, um, well, the little bit that I did read of Wikipedia had Paul Williams saying that he found it really difficult to write 1930s songs. I think he pulled it off. I, I think they're very... I think he's got a, a good mixture. And I, I think maybe that's part of its success, is that he manages to do 1930-ish yep. style, but in the 70s way that is going to still be acceptable to the 70s audiences. Accessible, and, yeah, popular. And fun, yeah. Fun, memorable, catchy. Yeah, all those. Well done, Paul Williams, who, who I've loved for a long time anyway. I think they, they pull it off. Hey, you know, one thing we didn't talk about mm -hmm. was um, the romances. I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought they, they did it well for children. They didn't make it too sexual or anything in mm -hmm. that sort of sense. What I liked about it, was that it was there. Like, it, it complicated the story. It, mm. it complicated the characters and their motivations. Mm. It, it made them relatable. Mm. And is a musical. You need a romance in a musical. Yeah. And I think he realised this. Absolutely. And you've even got a vixen that tries to set up this little manipulation thing going. And that, yeah. that's quite fun. Yeah. yeah. There's a kiss. Well, you know, like, it's never on the lips. And that, and that yeah, was good. Yeah. That's what I meant by it's it was good. well handled. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's just another example of... That you need a romance if you make it a musical, yeah. you know. What else do you think uh, was similar between this movie and other musicals on stage? Oh, on stage. Um, actually, this was a film first. I think it translates well to the stage. Having seen it, it's just a lot of fun. You know, this idea of, of kids throwing around whipped cream is really cool. So it's similar to musicals in that it's really fun? Yes. How else is it similar to musicals? 
It's a bit tricky to, to answer that because it is a farce. Most musicals, quite serious actually, mm, mm. although we've said they make light of things and they're all light and fluffy, mm. but they've actually got quite serious themes. Mm. Now, if you think of South Pacific, hugely serious. Yeah. Oliver, Annie is a lot of fun, but it's about, you know, families yeah. and being alone and all these yeah. sorts of things. Like, they take themselves seriously, the musicals generally. So yeah. even though they're fun, even though the songs do bring levity, the songs are always within the story uh, taken seriously, you know? Um, even guys and dolls. Even guys and dolls. And when there is an original movie musical, original, generally it's farcical, like Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, yeah. They have got a couple of musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Even Monty Python has a few musical numbers. Mm-hmm. And they work because the tone of the whole movie is making fun of itself. Yeah, so in that sense, I think the movie... Uh, when it was being made, was being made as a movie first and a musical second. Yeah. But now it's managed to transition into Mm. musical land. Mm. Maybe not as successfully as that musical based on the Holy Grail, Spamalot, Mm. because Spamalot is a little bit more famous than Bugsy Malone in terms of stage musicals. Well, Spamalot can be acted by adults, of course. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, so, yeah, Bugsy Malone is really interesting in that it's kind of restricted by its casting. Yeah, and also its genre. Um, there's only so much room for, for gangster musicals, really. And <laughs> Guys and Dolls is the top, so that's right. one that the adults do. There's actually a musical called Al Capone, oh. um, which is really good. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But, uh, you know, as for, for school musicals, it's Guys and Dolls or Bugsy Malone. Right. Well, that, that's interesting. So in, a many, in loads of ways, Bugsy Malone is very different to a normal musical. Mm. Then why does it work when you put it on stage? Like I said before, this, the fun makes it work. I'm just remembering one of the funniest parts of being on stage that, that we saw uh, at a high school was they had this Undertaker character come out and measure up and, and we had all these, <laughs> these sort of chalk outline sort of things. And Yeah, so the splurge guns on stage aren't cream pies, it's just like a freeze frame, like a freeze ray. Yeah. And then after you shoot them, everybody on stage freezes and then this guy comes out and with this trolley person would wheel him off as if he yeah. was a crate or something. It was great. You are able to adapt this for the stage and still make it fun. Okay. Well, that's really interesting that fun is is a necessary element of a... Well, not always. Not always a necessary element. I mean, Les Mis does have some fun moments in it. Oh, yeah. Miss Saigon doesn't really have any fun moments in it. (laughs) Um, Evita has some fun dancing in it when it's on stage. Yeah. but apart, you know, there there are a lot of quite serious musical Blood Brothers. It hasn't really got any light numbers. No. But it is a serious kind of violent story. This is a violent story, but they make it really fun, which is interesting that you you don't actually need fun to make a musical work, mm-hmm. but it does really help. Yeah. Oh, look, the the other ways that this is like a musical is like we said before with the musical numbers, um, because as much as we love storytelling through song and the mm. plot being moved along mm. in song, there are, there's also a beautiful way that musicals open up our uh, understanding of characters mm. uh, through songs and also the way that we understand the world. Like you were saying before, it's these characters and the setting that is developed and part a lot of that setting is the characters themselves yeah. you know so this character of the cleaner 
he gets a really long major song in the first half of the movie like right in act one before anything happens and it's not an I want song for the main character but it is a song of longing from someone in this world so it's an expression of what this world is and who the people are in it so it's more a song about the setting Mm. than it is about that particular character who is an incredibly minor character who has almost nothing to do with everything anything Um, but yeah so it's it's sort of typifying what um, people are looking for generally in the setting Mm. Um, while you were talking um, I realised another show that is like this that is really popular and it's like this it's a musical that's like this in that you've got songs the characters sing or are sung about the characters and they're flat characters and and there's a lot of fun in there and that um, movie musical is Chicago. Uh, what? How is this like Chicago? Just like I said you've got songs I'm just thinking Mr. Cellophane. Oh. Um, Cell Block Tango, yep. um, Mama, the boss of the penitentiary, right. um, Razzle Dazzle them. You know, you've, yeah. you've, you've got all these songs basically about these characters and what they do and how they do things. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking that kind of happens in Hairspray, but even then, those songs, are, they, they have an impact on the scene that they're in, which is another um, yeah. cool aspect of, of how you can input songs. But that's something that the simple story really helped have time yeah. for the characters to sing these songs yeah. and which was crucial for the tone mm. which was crucial for the movie and the movie's success um, if it were, if the movie didn't have songs in it it would not be nearly so good of a movie mm. even though the songs didn't add a lot to the plot um, it would be too serious it, it would be too serious uh, even though it was kids, and even though the splurge lines were, were you know, uh, cream. Mm. So um, while I was saying, uh, to begin with, that this movie musical is different from other movie musicals in that uh, in that way, um, it turns out that Chicago is very similar. So I think there are some musicals that do this kind of thing. Very light plot, very transparent, obvious plot, but because they've got the elements that a musical must have, the romance, the rivalry. I mean, I just let out a, a whoop when we got to the car chase in the movie, <laughs> you know. It's got all the standard stuff. And you know it's coming and, it, you know, it's it's fun. And, and, of course, I said it before, I've got to say it again, I think the key to the success of this show is its screenplay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What else do you want to say about Bugsy um, the, the last thing I want to say about Bugsy Malone is that kudos to Jodie Foster. <laughs> she... I mean, the film was a great success. It was voted one of the top 20 films of the uh, musicals of the century by some readers of a magazine. It was nominated for lots of awards and won several. Jodie Foster won two BAFTAs and I think she won a Golden Globe or something else. Yeah, so as Best Supporting Actress in a movie musical. And she's a teenager, so way cool. Um, she's got some great lines, she's got a great character, but she still pulls it off well. She's clearly, but she's the most adult behaving character there. Because she's the most cynical. You know, if we were to replicate the style of what this was, then we'd pick a time period 40 years ago and we'd write a story, uh, write a farce with modern style songs reminiscent of the era. So let's say we're making it this decade. 
we'll make an 80s, mm-hmm. we'll make a movie about gangs, organised crime in the 80s, or, or even unorganised crime, you know, the sort of Robocop era level of, of crime and, and, and cast children. That's one of the elements that makes it work, was because there's such a long distance of, of time, and that is helpful for the removal the, the distancing from of us and our emotions to these events. You know, the equivalent of this, if you make it today, would be um, a kid's um, takeoff of Miami Vice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where you had someone with a de- deliberate, you know, five o'clock shadow, kids in T-shirts and jackets, <laughs> and, and all these expensive boats and <laughs> helicopters and, and all this big talk and, <laughs> and all these big action scenes. <laughs> um, and, and again, you've got all these, these wonderful flat characters showing off. <laughs> um, and all these the extreme um, costumes and extreme <laughs> sets. Um, and everything would be fluoro. It would just be amazing. Yeah, in a way, we've got Stranger Things and stuff, but the, even the characters are meant to be children in, in that show. I say that the distance between now and the 80s would help any you know reinterpretation of Bugsy because it, it occurred to me that you could remake this using in New Zealand making a New Zealand story one of the concepts could be to set kids like young kids preteens as mobsters gangsters uh, in New Zealand because New Zealand has gang rivalry which is not small you know there is it's quite big in some parts of New Zealand the stories are quite interesting and sometimes I find them quite childish and I think a farce I'm hoping that something like a farce like this would be able to expose the silliness of it. At the same time, I don't want to get attacked by the mob. (laughs) Um, And I would love to show the negative consequences because that's one of the things about this movie is that the ending is incredibly unrealistic. And I commented to you at the end of the movie that if only it ended with cream covering all of these kids' faces and not blood. At the same time as making a farce about mobs in New Zealand, it'd be really interesting to try to get serious about it and say, this is not cool. Just trying to both make fun of them and point out how bad it is. I've heard of kids who want to watch Once We're Warriors because they think Jake the Muss is cool. Yeah. You know? And it's it's the opposite of what you think. And I, I don't want to make anything that would glorify the mob and try to encourage people to be part of it. What do you think the effect of turning the gangs of New Zealand into a musical starring children would be? What's that effect? Yeah, it doesn't grab me, the gangs idea. I think what would fly would be a musical with kids about the gold rush era where you've got these these people trying to make it in the gold rush you've got pioneers just trying to make a life in this new country you've got uh, the parochial leaders of this new city trying to make it work well you know if you set it in Dunedin Mm. which um, during the gold rush was the biggest city in New Zealand Mm. they actually had basically the equivalent of slave labour I forgot the name of you know and so there's a story behind that and, and you can have these lovely flat characters mm. 
You can have your romances and your big dreams. You can set it with fun, pioneer, kind of early kind of music. Could have sort of honky-tonk sort of music, even though it's a little before the honky-tonk era. Mm. And, and being kids, again, it would just be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a much better idea. I think that'd be way easier to pull off. Why doesn't the mob idea grab you? I think, again, it's just too serious. I think uh, the fun thing about uh, the gangs of the 1930s in New York and Chicago is that they were glamorous. You you know, you've got them riding around in fast cars and living in hotels and, you know, having this empire and and all the skullduggery of of these these gambling joints and and so on and prohibition and Mm. and being naughty, basically. (laughs) Which, you know, you can have a lot of fun with. Which the gangs in New Zealand, yeah, just a bit more serious than that. Yeah, you're, you're right. And I think it doesn't have the same effect that I'm thinking, it, I'm hoping it would. You know, instead of making kids want to be not in the gang, it would probably encourage kids to be in the gang, probably because they see other kids on screen. And I think that's something that we can't avoid. You know, whatever you portray on screen, you are encouraging, whether or not the ultimate end goal of your movie is discouragement or not. By showing it, you're encouraging it because we're such visual creatures. And it's it's a shame, really, because there's a lot there's a lot you can do, uh, and a lot of injustice you can comment on but the more you portray it the more you encourage it it's really interesting that uh, psycho- psychologically we're so simple minded really we are um, <laughs> but I love your idea of the um, of the the 19... 19- 10s, was it? Oh, 18... It would have been 1860s. 1860s, that's early. So i got to do my research on on the gold rush in Dunedin, Mm. see if I can find a story in there, make some sort of romance based on... Pretty easy. Not too too hard, you're right. There's there's some pretty cool things that are happening. Um, And so, yeah, this is is such a fun concept, uh, and I'm really glad that he, Alan Parker, wrote and directed this, that the studio greenlit this, and we have... A wonderful love letter to the 1930s gangster movies and musicals. And it's a wonderful product of the 1970s where you've got your typical 1970s cinematography and lighting style and uh, it's enduring. It's, it's a, it is a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Like, it ages. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it doesn't age well, but it is obviously old when you watch it. When you watch it, you're deciding to watch an old movie. Yeah. And they have styled it mm. as an old. That like the, all the the yeah. the advertising, the cover of 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 it. Well worth a watch if you've never seen it, just for fun. It's really well made. Yeah. Yeah. Really well made. Mm. And and I'm I'm glad that it kickstarted Alan Parker's career. Yeah. yeah cool. in, a, in a good way. That really is everything from me. Is that everything from you? Yeah, that's everything from me. Well, it's, it's good night from him. It's good night from me. <laughs> and it's good night from him. Good night. Good night.